following sermon is by Andy Lake, the senior pastor of Liberty Bible Church. This program, Grow in Liberty, is the preaching ministry of Liberty Bible Church in Vienna, Ohio. Liberty Bible Church places a priority on the Word of God over all else and has a desire to share truth with believers and non-believers alike. Our prayer is that as people tune in, they would come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Join us as we grow together through the Word of God. Open your Bibles, if you would, please. Book of Acts, chapter 7. And when we have these special days and opportunities uh, to uh, take a moment to get get our minds on some different things, we've got all the kids with us in the auditorium, and uh, I I really kind of felt this week a, a tug to take just a pause from our study in the book of Joel, and I want to take a look at something as far as an unpopular love. And I don't know about you, but it's very easy to see in our day and time that first responders are not very popular, sadly. The very people who are running into the burning buildings and trying to protect and trying to keep uh, uh, our uh, folks safe are the ones who are treated rather poorly. All you have to do is spend just five minutes on YouTube and you can see all the videos of people just trying to make a mockery. Now, granted, I, I'm, I'm not so foolish as to think that every police officer, fireman, or EMT is perfect. I'm not that foolish any more than I would think that every preacher is honestly serving the Lord. But I do believe that there's something that we can take from this and we can learn. Here in the book of Acts, chapter 7, you have Stephen, and he is pretty much on trial here. And he is giving his sermon right before they decided to make a martyr out of him. And in his sermon, if you look with me at verse 51 of Acts chapter 7, he gets to a point. He says, "Ye stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart, and ears. You do always resist the Holy Ghost as your fathers did, so do ye. Which of the prophets have not your fathers persecuted? And they have slain them which showed before of the coming of the just one, of whom ye have been now the betrayers and murderers, who have received the law by the disposition of angels, and have not kept it. Father, we ask your blessing now upon your word. Father, we would not simply read it and hear it, but Father, we would obey it. And God, I pray that you would just work in our hearts during this time so that we would see and hear from you. We pray these things in your son's name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. When my mind goes to uh, uh, first responders, I'm constantly reminded of the sacrifice that many make on a regular basis 
Uh, and in a day and time when it's not popular to be a first responder, when much of society uh, hates and despises them, is it any wonder that there are still people willing to do so? I mean, you think about the way they're treated and the way that they're hated, you would, you would think no one would ever want to put their life on the line to protect those who hate them. <laughs> but it's, a, it's an interesting thing to me as I think about these things because I'm constantly brought back to the truth of Jesus Christ. And everything that we see in Scripture, everything that we come across uh, in life ought to be something that points us to Jesus Christ. Everything from the beginning of Genesis to the end of Revelation points to Jesus Christ. And if the entire world and every man, every woman, every, everybody that has ever existed was originally created in the image of God, and it is our uh, destiny uh, that we are to be formed and conformed more into the image of Jesus Christ as believers, then we ought to be able to find a window to Christ fairly easily in any situation that we come across. Now, there's a part of me that when I see these things of, uh, of uh, the, uh, the modern idea to, uh, to hate those who are trying to protect you, you just kind of want to shout, don't you? You want to grab some of them and shake them a little bit. And uh, my mind goes back to, uh, uh, to those, uh, and Brother Jeff mentioned Vietnam earlier. Um, I know he mentioned it in a different context, but, you know, my mind goes back to those who came home from Vietnam and the way that they were not welcomed home. You know, this is something that ought not to happen. This is something that ought never be, and you just kind of want to shake them you know, a preacher named Stephen, I believe, got to that point here in verse 51 of Acts chapter 7, where he says, you stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears. Now, he talks about an interesting group of people. He takes, you, takes them back. He says, which of the prophets have not your fathers persecuted? In other words, every preacher of truth throughout history, he said, your fathers persecuted him. And now here we have Jesus Christ coming on the scene, the very Messiah, and you persecute and murder him. This is the, the position that Stephen had gotten to. I, th- I think it's okay every once in a while. Folks are, oh, you shouldn't be angry. It's a sin to be. No, no, no. The Bible doesn't say it's a sin to be angry. The Bible says it's a sin if you take your anger and use it in a sinful mas- fashion. It actually says it this way. It says, be angry and sin not. And I think Stephen gave us a wonderful example of that here where he was angered. You killed the Son of God. I mean, who shouldn't be angry at the people who are guilty of murdering the Son of God. Now, granted, we can always understand and we need to realize that Jesus said it this way, no man takes my life from me, I give it freely. But here we have this group of people who they didn't like the message that Jesus was presenting to them, and so they decided they wanted him dead and so they went on with it, and then after he had risen again and, and, and the, the church started to grow exponentially, here they come along trying to silence him and trying to spread rumors and trying to lie about him. I think Stephen was rightly justified in his anger. But in thinking about this from sort of the mindset of the way first responders are often treated, this is, this is something that is not uncommon in the Word of God. 
There have been many through the years who have attempted to provide service to people only to be, to be despised and rejected. This is something that is actually rather common in God's word over and over again. I'm only going to use a few examples this morning, but today we, we need to kind of look at some of these folks who are, I guess what we could say would be unpopular preachers. Their churches would not have espoused 30,000 in a stadium. Their churches would have been rather sparse, more than likely, based on the message that they were preaching. And so this, again, this not being an uncommon thing, in the amount of time that we have here, I want to try to pull a few examples out of what I'm talking about and then make application to today and the message that we preach. If you want to flip over to 2 Peter, you can, but uh, for sake of time, we're going to be all over the place, and I've got the verses uh, up and ready for you to go. But 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 5, talking about uh, Noah, says this, and he spared not the old world, but saved Noah, talking about God, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly. Uh, Noah is an example of one of those unpopular preachers and an unpopular loving individual. Uh, you know, if, if based on today's estimation, which of course social media is the, the way we, you know, examine everything today, right? There's some people that they only get their news from social media, and I'm sorry, but if you're getting your news from social media, you are getting very little news. But sadly, thanks to social media, many estimate the value of a messenger by the amount of followers. <laughs> Noah would have had seven. He would have had seven likes on his Instagram feed. He would have had seven followers on Facebook. He would have had seven people subscribe to his YouTube channel. It was his wife and his three boys and their wives. I don't, I don't know about you, but this is you know, one of those things that's like, uh, if, if we were really to gauge and to judge someone's, uh, the, their message and the reception of their message by how many people follow it or how many people accept it or how many people like it or what have you, Noah would have not made the cut. If he preached today, people would refer to him as a fanatic. People would call him a doom and gloom preacher. 2 Peter, 2 Peter 2, 5 refers to him as a preacher of righteousness. Preacher of righteousness. Let's us know exactly what, he, what he's preaching here. And the, the sad thing is that he was doing everything he could to try to, to, to let people know, look, you have trouble on the way. The judgment is coming. It's time for us to straighten up. We need to get in the, get in the boat is what he's telling them. As illustration, I was, uh, back in 2013, my grandfather was not long for this world. And I'd driven from Cincinnati down to uh, Barbersville, West Virginia, uh, a half dozen times or whatever it was, back and forth, back and forth. And uh, on the last one, after we had had the funeral and everything, I had borrowed my dad's big van to get us home, and then I went back to trade cars again. And on my last trip home, I was tired of driving. I wasn't sleepy. I was just tired of driving. I'd had enough of driving, and I wanted to get home. And so I had my foot just getting a little heavier on that pedal, just a little bit. 
Next thing I know, Ohio State Trooper was right behind me. Oh, hello, sir. He pulls me over, and he talks to me for a little bit, and he wants to know why I'm in such a hurry. To be honest with him, just in a hurry to get home. Said, you got me dead to rights. I was, I was going too fast. He said, well, why do you want to get home so fast? And I explained the situation, told him my grandfather had just passed away, and I'd made trip after trip after trip, and I said, I'm just, to be honest with you, I'm just tired of driving. I want to go home. So he very kindly and very graciously let me go with a warning. And here was his warning. Son, just slow down so we don't have two funerals in your family. If that had happened to some YouTube sensation, that poor officer would have been plastered on YouTube, on social media. He'd have had his face in the mug and everything, all of it, and people would have tried to twist and contort that around. I'm here to tell you the man was showing mercy and grace, and he was just trying to warn me. He was just trying to say, hey, buddy, you need to slow down. You're going to get yourself in trouble. And here he is trying to do the best that he can to warn a person and I had one of two options. I can take that and be disrespectful to him, or I can see the mercy and the grace that he showed. Sadly, today, many people don't see that. Many people ignore that. You see, you cannot preach the gospel of Jesus Christ without preaching righteousness and judgment. And just as the officer was trying to warn me, look, you're going too fast. You need to slow it down. There's a, there's a, there's something that could happen if you don't, if you, you slow, don't slow down. Bad things can happen. Here's Noah. If you don't live righteous, there's a consequence. Right? So many are fixated with their idea that love ignores truth. That love does not hold anyone accountable if they have lost all reason. Another example of this is Joseph. Joseph was a type of Christ. Now, never forget that, that Joseph was a type of Christ. And a lot of times we see some of the negatives in, in some of these different characters in the Bible, and we notice that. But now, it doesn't mean that Joseph was a Christ. He was a picture of it. Never forget that. And he came home, the Bible says that he came home and delivered a bad report to his father of the evil that his brothers were doing. Now, this cost him dearly. Because of his stand for right, his brothers hated him from that day on. Because of his stance for what is right, they eventually sold him into slavery. You know, many of our public servants today, I think of the poor fire marshal who has to make the rules, right, so that people can get out of the building safely. And everybody's, ah, the fire marshal's here. Now we got to toe the line. <laughs> Just chill out. He's just trying to give us some warnings, trying to help us to know what's going on. He's trying to make a stance to keep people safe. Similarly, the preacher of truth knows that there is evil in the hearts of man. The whole argument that people are naturally good really falls apart when you watch children. Have you ever noticed that? I had a conversation with a lady one time about how what kids are naturally born, just born naturally good. We make them evil. Really? Tell that to the kid that would kill you where you stand because you're not buying at a lollipop. Let's walk. I mean, am I the only one that goes to Walmart? 
If you've never seen evil, go to Walmart. And just make yourself by the candy aisle or by the toy aisle and watch that 12-year-old little punk scream and cry like a one-year-old because, Daddy, won't get me the toy. I walked by one the other day, and I just nonchalantly just looked at my belt, and I'm like, reckon they want to borrow mine? That kid just needs bent over and spanked. Preacher of truth knows that there's evil in the hearts of man. But the Bible lets us know that there's none righteous, not even one. The Bible lets us know in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, it says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You know, the idea of coming short of the glory of God, it, it, the, uh, the verbiage that is given to us gives the idea of someone taking aim with a bow and arrow at a target that is no bigger than a quarter 400 miles away. Be kind of like me bragging that I can jump farther than Michael Johnson. And I take off running and I jump for all I'm worth. And I make it an astounding 11 feet. Maybe. Depends on if I've stretched or not. (laughs) He takes off running and he jumps an amazing 29 and a half feet. But guess what? Neither one of us have any room to brag because we were both trying to jump over the Grand Canyon. That's what it means to fall short. You see, God's glory is right up here. And when I compare myself to other people, especially Jeff, I feel like I'm doing pretty good. But when I compare myself to the glory of God, It doesn't matter who you are. Mother Teresa, Gandhi, you have fallen short. No one has attained that level. Another preacher that was hated, an unpopular preacher was Osis. Think about this for a second. Here's a man who goes to Pharaoh on behalf of the people of God, uh, says, let my people go, right? And he says, he says, let him go. He works, he fights, he, he, he uh, communicates with Pharaoh. He wants to get him free. Finally, the very freedoms that they enjoy, they begin to complain about. He got them delivered from, from slavery. And just a few moments later, they're griping and complaining. It'd be better to be slaves in Egypt than to be out here wandering the wilderness. Well, I don't understand why you brought us out here. Did you bring us here to die? How often do people gripe and complain about our troops who lay down their lives for our freedoms? The very people who are putting their life on the line so that you can have the freedom to say what you want about them, you hate. I think of Moses laying down his privilege Hebrews 11, 24 and 25 says, By faith Moses, when he has come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasure of sin for a season. You know what that basically is saying? He laid down his privilege and followed God and whatever God had for him. He willingly took less pay 
took less privilege and took less comfort to follow God. It's essentially what it said. He went from living in the palace to shepherding, hanging out with sheep. And the people hated him. His sacrifice led people, the people of Israel, to be set free from slavery and imprisonment. However, they could not see the freedom they had. They were delivered from bondage. And yet all they did was complain. Moses preached liberty for God's people. He preached separation from the world and total dedication to God. And I'm certain that if Moses were alive today, he would be labeled a holy roller. People would say of him, well, he's just too heavenly minded. They'd say things like, well, I'm sure God still wants us to enjoy life. That's not what's on topic. What Moses said was, follow him. Follow him. How about Elijah? He's one of my favorite characters. I like Elijah. I love Elijah. This old guy, I mean, anybody who can outrun the queen's chariot and then he takes on 400 false prophets at one time, bring it, he says. I ain't afraid of you. Here he is standing before the most powerful man in the world at that time. And in 1 Kings 18, he tells the king, he says, I have not troubled Israel, but thou and thy father's house, in that ye have forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and thou hast followed Balaam. The guy that was the only one, the only one that showed up, said, you're wrong. You're sinning. You've you've forsaken God. He was hated. Hated this man. People, if he was preaching today, he would be referred to as a troublemaker. And oh, he's too judgmental. Who does he think he is to tell us what we can and can't do, what we should and shouldn't do? Who does he think he is? Safe space. Safe space. He'd be one of those guys getting pushed. uh, What? Safe space. Uh, You can't say that here. You know, we looked at these four. But you want to know someone who is really not that popular? Jesus. The message of Christ was simply this. Follow me. That was the message of Jesus. So what is it to follow Christ? A lot of people, especially back during the 90s, they had the craze where everybody and their brother had a WWJD bracelet on, right? Everybody had, what would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? Everybody, and half the people, you'd, you'd turn around and you'd say, well, what would he do? Oh, A lot of go, is it a lucky charm? A rabbit's foot? You're just going to rub it and hope something happens good? No. What would Jesus do? I'll tell you some of the things that Jesus would do because I think today the teachings of Jesus have been twisted and contorted. And people, Well, Jesus wouldn't judge. As a matter of fact, Jesus said, all judgment has been given to me. Well, Jesus would love his brothers. Yep, and you know what love is? Telling the truth. Jesus said it this way to Pilate. He said, those who are of the truth hear my voice. They listen to me, in other words. Jesus taught the need of salvation. 
I'm going to look at a few passages of Scripture that may not necessarily be up on your screen. For example, Matthew chapter 7. I want to just help us to see what it is that Jesus taught. And then think to yourself, would this be a popular message today? Matthew chapter 7. Now think about it. All that, all that Jesus preached and all that he taught, all that he laid out for the people. He says in verse 21, actually back up for context to verse 15. It says, beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Ye shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth forth not good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. Not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say unto me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works, and I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. You know what Jesus is saying? You can't be good enough. Your works are not going to be what helps you to have that relationship with God. It's not going to grant you entrance into eternal life, no matter how good you are. These people were saying, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Didn't we do many wonderful works? Didn't we even cast out demons? Didn't we do great things in your name? He says, I never knew you. I never knew you. Jesus taught the need of salvation, while the Jewish leaders of the day taught that as long as you obeyed the rules, you did this, you did that, you gave this much money, you you went to these different festivals, then you're okay. Jesus says, it's none of that. It's all a personal relationship with me. That's where it's got to start. Jesus also taught repentance. Well, that's a big one. A lot of people don't like that. What exactly is it to repent? We've talked about this before. It is turning from and to. It's that military term where you're walking one direction, the commanding officer says repent, you do a full about face, 180 degree turn and go the opposite direction. Here's what repentance is. Admitting that you're not good enough. That's repentance. I'm doing everything right, I'm doing everything. Wait a minute, I'm not good enough. So I've got to quit going that direction and turn to the one who is. Admitting that you cannot make even the most simple decisions without help from above. You see what it is? It's turning from self and to. Admitting that your way of thinking is corrupt and sinful and selfish. And that you need to turn to God for counsel. In essence, repentance is simply this. Humbling yourself before God. That's what repentance is. I'm going my way. Now I'm going to go his way. You see, Jesus also taught self-denial. In Matthew 16, 24, he says, Then saith Jesus, uh, then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself 
take up his cross, and follow me. Self-denial. Jesus teaches us that if we're to follow him, we need to deny self. What is it to deny self? That's, a, that's an interesting one. What does this mean? It means that you, uh, that, that we were willing to give up whatever status, whatever position, whatever comfort, whatever idea we may have, and embrace his. It's the willingness to say, I was wrong. And he is right. He says, deny yourself. You know, when you're fighting tooth and nail for what you want, there comes a time when maybe you or the person that you're fighting with, we talk about it in, in marriage counseling, you get that crazy cycle where without love, she responds without respect, and without respect, he responds without love, and this is why you get com- comments. And it started over, where are we going to eat? I don't care, wherever you want to go, it's fine with me. Well, how about O'Charlie's? No, I don't want to go to O'Charlie's. I thought you said wherever I want to go. Yeah, but not O'Charlie's. Well, how about Olive Garden? I really don't like Olive Garden. Well, where do you want to go to eat? Anywhere you want to go. You always say anywhere I want to go, and then you get into that vicious cycle, right? And the next thing you know, you're talking about each other's mothers. Right? Well, your mother was like that, and that's why you're like that. And how do you get off that crazy cycle? One of you has to go stop. I was wrong. I was wrong. I shouldn't have said what I said. I shouldn't have acted the way I acted. One of you has to do it. And which one is the one to do it? Whichever one of you is more mature. Now, next time you have a fight, you can look at your spouse and go, I'm more mature. That just negates it all. Jesus taught self-denial, recognition that we could be wrong, but he is always right. Jesus taught us to follow him. Now, let me ask this. Why would anyone follow Jesus? Why wouldn't they just do it their own way? Why would I follow him, do things the way he says to do it, live life the way he lived life, to to act the way he acted? Why would anybody do that? Well, all that Jesus taught leads up to this. Because you see, when we realize that God is God and we are not, we are faced with a reality. Do I worship him or do I ignore him? The idea of worship came came from the old Anglo-Saxon word worship. And it was actually part of the uh, uh, wedding vows where the groom would look to the woman that he was marrying and he would say to her, you alone I worship. In other words, you and you alone are worthy of the attention that will come to me from this day forward. That's what he was saying. He was proclaiming to his newfound bride, you're the only one that deserves my eye. You're the only one on this planet that deserves my affection. This is where we get our word worship. He is the only one who is worthy of us laying down our personal wants and following him. 
Do I ignore him or do I give him that attention? If he is God, he deserves to be worshiped. If he is God, then to ignore him is the most foolish thing, stiff-necked thing I can do. And then when I realize that in order uh, to be part of his kingdom, and he taught about the kingdom of God coming, he taught about it. When I realize that in order to be part of his kingdom, I must be right with God, I have to face reality that my goodness is not enough. See, it all comes back full circle, doesn't it? I need more than just my efforts. And then when I realize that my efforts have fallen way short, then I begin to look for who has not fallen short. John 14, 6, Jesus was talking to his disciples, and he said it this way. He says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. No one comes to the Father. No one has entrance into the throne room of God except they come through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. An interesting thing with all of this. Why would we follow Jesus? Though all of us have fallen short, and when we really examine it, we note something. We're not good enough. But God loved us anyway. If if you or I were God, we would probably set the bar. You got to be this good. But then sadly, one of our kids might not get to that point, right? So we'll bring the bar down a little bit. And then our neighbor His kid, (laughs) a little worse than our kid, right? So we're going to bring that bar down a little bit. And then your wife. No, I'm just kidding. And so what we do is we start to adjust that bar, right? You know what God did? He never adjusted the bar. He left it where it was. He said, you got to be perfect. I can't. I'm not able to do that. Well, Romans 5.8 tells us God commendeth or demonstrated, put on display his love for us. And that while we were filthy, rotten sinners, Christ died for us. You see, here's the deal. I'm not good enough. You're not either. And the quicker we realize this, the quicker we'll realize what Jesus did for us. God said, I'm not going to lower the standard. I'm going to keep it where it is. And Jesus says, I'll fulfill the standard for them, Dad. And so Jesus stepped out of glory, came to earth, lived. He didn't just die the death that you and I deserve to die. He lived the life you and I were supposed to live. If he had not lived the life that you and I were supposed to live, he could not have died the death that you and I deserve to die. But he lived that perfect life. He succeeded. He didn't say, I came to do away with the law. He says, I came to fulfill it. He accomplished it all. Because you can't. Neither can I. 
and when we turn from our attempts being perfect and turn to him and say his sacrifice was enough. I have repented. I have left my way to follow him. I'm sure that there are many times that a first responder does not feel like the most popular person. Especially in today's day and culture. And to those first responders, I would say this. You're in good company. Because Jesus was so unpopular, they put him on a cross, shut him up. They didn't want to hear him. (laughs) But you can't shut up God. Because three days later, he rose again, proving who he was. And I love the way Paul words it in 1 Corinthians when he says it this way. He says, he says, if you don't believe me, go ask the 500 people because a lot of them are still alive. The ones that saw him alive and ascend. Go ask him yourself. He's like, oh, yeah, you know, they were all hallucinating. You can't get 500 people to hallucinate the same thing at one time. Not possible. John 15, 13, earlier, Brother Jeff was reading. Jesus proved his love for mankind when he said, greater love has no man than this, that a man would lay down his life for his friends. Many of our first responders are willing to lay down their life. Jesus proved his love for mankind this way, even to the point where he was willing to stretch his arms open wide, have those rough, rusty, thick nails pierce his hands and his feet, have that spear thrust into his side, have that crown of thorns slammed down onto his head, had the flesh ripped from his body, And in the midst of it, he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Why would anyone follow this man? Why would they not? Why would they not simply turn from self to the one who died for them? Have you responded to this love yourself? Have you seen your attempts falling short? Have you seen Jesus in all his glory? Romans chapter 10 verse 9 says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. See, it all begins right there. You're not good enough. He is. He died for you. 
will you follow him? Our gracious God, I thank you, Father, that you do love us, that you do care, and that you do offer to us an opportunity to know you better. I pray, Father, that we would not just hear these words, but that we would apply them to our lives. Father, I'm so thankful that you didn't lower the standard. You kept it where it was, but I'm even more thankful that your son came and he fulfilled that requirement for me. So, Father, I'm asking, Lord, that you would work in our hearts, that we would see the truth of who you are. And that, Father, we would examine the question, if you are who you say you are, why would we not follow you? I pray, Father, that during this time of invitation, you would work in the hearts and the minds of the people. For the person who does not know you as their Savior, Lord, I pray that you would expose that need to them, that you would call them ever closer to you, to a relationship with you, Father. For the one who does claim you as their Lord and Savior, but perhaps they're not following you with everything that they have, I pray that you would stir in their heart this morning. Father, I pray especially for those of our first responders, our police, our fire, our EMTs, Father, that you would continue to keep your hand of protection upon them. Let them know that they're loved, not just by their community, but by the God who created them. We pray, Father, that you would work in this time. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. You have been listening to Andy Lake. Bible teacher with Grow in Liberty and pastor of Liberty Bible Church. We pray that you were challenged today and encourage you to share this message with your friends and family. If you were motivated in some way to grow in your walk with Christ, please drop us a line and reference the title of today's message. You can access us online at growinliberty.org. Email us at together at growinliberty.org or send us a letter to Liberty Bible Church, 2111 Sodom Hutchings Road, Vienna, Ohio, 44473. If you would like to support Grow in Liberty financially, you may also do that at growinliberty.org. Thank you so much for joining us today.